Let me in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 14. I love that we just sang, come thou fount, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love or serve, love or serve, I love, <laughs> yeah, it's the heart of what we're talking about today. If you don't know where 1 Corinthians is, just open the first couple of pages of your Bible and you'll see the table of contents. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and someone will put one in your hand. <clears throat> All right, but I'll go ahead and start reading. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 14. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses, Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality, as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble, as some of them did. And were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction, on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure. Let's pray. Lord, so many of us can resonate with the lyrics from Come Thou Fount. We are prone to wonder and we, prone, we are prone to leave you. Just pray that you will bless our time today. May it be productive. Pray, Lord, that I will communicate your truths well. Now do so to the glory of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As Christians, we're called to bear the burdens of one another. We're, we're called to rejoice when one rejoices and to weep when one weeps, suffer when one suffers. But the reality of the situation is there are a lot of things that we cannot relate to each other on. I'll never know the feeling of carrying around another human being in my life for X amount of months. And then when that time is over, that human being, that creature coming into this world with organs that function and limbs that move, I'll never know how that feels. I'll never know the feelings of feeling bad when arguing. Well, not never. Let me stop. <laughs> As of now, <laughs> where I am in life, I cannot resonate with the feelings of feeling bad after arguing with the spouse and feeling uh, as if you did so in a sinful manner. I'm looking forward to arguing with my wife. <laughs> I don't know the feeling of um, leaving another state to go to undergrad. 
moving cross-country or, as some people in here, moving to another continent to go to school. I can't, I I can't resonate with that. I don't know the feelings of losing a child. That's right now. Can't resonate with it. I can't resonate with being a Ravens fan. I never feel that. <laughs> just, just, just won't happen. <laughs> but there are some things, the beautiful thing about Christianity is that it levels the playing field for certain things. And that thing being sin. So today we're going to talk about the sin of idolatry and how all of us can resonate with each other when it comes to idolatry. What are idols? I was trying to think of this deep um, definition of it that's profound, so I went to Google. And Google says this, and you know what, my mentor, Fred's mentor and I would probably kill me for using Google or the dictionary to define something, to talk about something biblical. But hey, whatever, it is what it is. It's a good definition. I like it. All right? And, <laughs> and, and an idol is simply this. It's an image or representation of a, of a God used as an object of worship. All right? So that's something that all of us deal with on some type of level. All of us uh, are, are, are battling with something every day that we are tempted to surrender to whether that be something from the past, whether that be um, something that we used to do, um, whether that be a a tangible object that we are trying to attain, or whether that be goals that we are trying to achieve in a sinful way. All of us deal with something every day that causes us or, or tempts us to leave God. Every single day. I was talking to a good friend of mine good preacher friend of mine. We did a lot of life together, and uh, I loved the brother. And he, um, well-respected at church, at his church, well-respected in the community, and uh, had a family. And so for him, uh, there was a time where his, his marriage was struggling, and there was a certain woman who had been uh, tempting him and at him for years, and he uh, was standing. He withstood the temptation. And there came a time where he fell into that temptation. Faced with it all the time, and he finally gave in to it. When it comes to him, I'm thinking, how is it that someone who has been so faithful given to this temptation, and given to this idol, whether, whether it be an idol of, of self whether it be some kind of other idol? How does he give in to it? And I think about the Corinthians who Paul is writing this letter to, and I'm thinking, like, how can these people who have been discipled and mentored by the disciple who, or the apostle who wrote for half of the New Testaments and wrote 13 letters, or, yeah, credited with writing half of the New Testament, um, how can they fall into this sin? And then I think about Peter, who denied Jesus, and I say, how can Peter, who walked with the Christ, fall into this sin? How does he do this? How do people who we would consider to be giants in the faith, and we would consider to be pillars in the faith, how do they fall into this sin? And then I go back to, um, to, the, uh, to the Israelites, and as they wander through the wilderness, how do they, who have experienced everything from God, fall into this sin? And then I end up at Genesis 4.8, and it says that sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule it. You must rule over it. 
So today I'm going to, as we look at the text, I'm going to draw on certain things that I think that the text uh, says and certain things that stick out in the text. And hopefully we will be prepared to fight against idolatry. It's really getting on my nerves. I got it. Cool. All right. So as I said earlier, we're daily faced with the temptation to surrender to our idols. One thing to keep in mind is that it is God who graciously and freely provides for us. It's God who does that. Just take this off. It's God who for, uh, graciously provides and, 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 and gives to us. It's not anything else. Don't get it twisted. It's not anybody else. James says it like this. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Comes from the Father of lights. It's not anything else or anybody else that does that. Anything for the Christian, this, is our, this, this should be our understanding. Anything that we get outside of our death, we do not deserve. If, if there is anything that we uh, deserve, it is hell. It's, it's the death, it's death, and it's the grave. That's the only thing that we deserve as Christians. So for this, uh, for this uh, theology or for this gospel that says that whatever you think that you deserve it, whatever you dream that you should have it, whatever you think your purpose is, you have, you know, that is completely false. Anything that we get outside of our death, we do not deserve it. Is there anything wrong with dreaming? Of course not. Is there anything wrong with having goals that you want to achieve? Of course not. Is there anything wrong with seeking your purpose? Of course not. There is something wrong with doing it when it's not submitted to God, however. So we see here in the first couple of verses that uh, Paul is, is talking to the Corinthians, and he says that our fathers... Uh, we're all under the cloud. So in the Old Testament, uh, that's how God guided them through the wilderness after he um, freed them from the hands of the Egyptians. After he delivered them from the Egyptians, he would guide them by a cloud. He was their guidance. He was their personal GPS. He says, wherever this cloud goes, I want you to go as well. So he, uh, he was their guidance. And it says that all passed through the sea. Of course, the Red Sea was split. All of them passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. This was just pretty much uh, terminology of them being gods, them belonging to God. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. You remember the manna from heaven that fell from heaven when, when they were complaining about not having food? And God said, okay, here you go. I'll give you food. They didn't have any water. Moses hit the rock and water sprang up from the rock. The Lord provided provided for them the same way that he provides for us. Not only did God provide a way of salvation for us, not only did he snatch us out of darkness until this marvelous light by sending his son to die on the Christ for us, by sending his son on the, to die on the cross for us, but he also gives us sustenance to daily get through life. It may not be necessarily everything that we want. It may not necessarily be everything that we desire to have, but you are sitting right here right now, and that's uh, a testimony and proof that you have what you need to be sustained. So we need to keep in mind that it is, it, it is God who provides for us. Now, we work our butts off, or we should work our butts off, and we should be good stewards of what God has entrusted to us. But at the end of the day, it all comes from God. So there is no reason to put your hope or your trust in anything outside of God, though it may make you feel good. See, idolatry comes in as a result of discontentment and dissatisfaction and impatience. 
That's where idolatry comes. When, 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 when you substitute something for God and saying this is what makes me happy and this is what gives me ultimate satisfaction, that's where idolatry comes in, and it's so easy to fall into that. So easy to fall into that. Idolatry slaps God's provisions in the face through thinking that it can replace the God of heaven and the God of scriptures. It is God who provides for us and nothing or nobody else. Now, with this being said, the scary thing about having idols is that they're not all inherently evil. When we, uh, we're going to look at the golden calf that was made, that was bad. <laughs> it was a golden calf. Yesterday we went to a wedding. Uh, a couple of us went to a wedding. And uh, the preacher was uh, just encouraging the couple because they're going off to seminary. And the preacher was giving his own testimony and saying that at one point, uh, he was, I think he was at this point 10 years in, in his marriage and had three kids, but he just confessed to having put his studies before his children and his family. Now, is there anything evil about seminary? No. I hope not. I'm a seminary. I hope not. <laughs> but no, there's nothing inherently wrong with, 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 with seminary. But the thing is, you can make an idol out of absolutely anything. That's the scary part about having an idol. It's so easy to, uh, uh, to put your, your, your trust in something. It's so easy to put your hope into something before even realizing it. As a matter of fact, a lot of times when we talk about idolatry, we say, you know what? Looking back on this situation, I think that I idolize dot, 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 dot. We see this oftentimes with relationships where people would say like, hey, I, 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 I'm, I'm making or I made my girlfriend an item or I'm making or I made my boyfriend an item. I didn't say I made my boyfriend an item. They making, making my girlfriend an item or making my boyfriend an idol. We often see to where uh, this is the case when you look in retrospect. It's easy to have idols. Easy. So the name of the sermon is, be- is beware because it's so easy to fall into this sin without even realizing it. So as we continue to walk through the scriptures, the second point is this. Since we are, are, are daily faced with the temptation to surrender to our idols, we need to know that there are consequences to rebellion. Look at, look at verse 9. Paul says, we must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. In other words, warning, do not put Christ to the test. Warning, do not put Christ to the test. Warning, do not put Christ to the test. Why? What will happen? What's the consequence? Let me tell you what happened to them. This is what Paul is saying. Let me, let, let me tell you what happened to them. I can't, not, I can't necessarily tell you what will happen to you. Let me tell you what happened to our fathers, everybody who passed through the sea and everybody who was led by the cloud and everybody who God made provisions for, those same people who fell into idolatry. Let me tell you what happened to them. And then in verses 7 through 10, he tells them, do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, talking about the golden calf. So when Moses was up on the mountain, the Israelites became impatient. And they turn to Aaron and they say, hey, like, you know, we, 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 we need something. We need something. So Aaron said, okay, I tell you what, take all your jewelry off. Let's melt it down. And he makes this golden calf. And he says, tomorrow we will worship the calf. And so, and so that's exactly what they did. 
and, 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 and they, they went to sleep, they, uh, they ate, they drank, and they worshiped this golden calf that was made, and this is completely foolish, and it sounds foolish, but we do it, but it was made by them, and they worshiped, they worshiped it. And what happened after that? Moses came down, and they, he, he, uh, he, he, he melted it down or, and pretty much like made some, some type of water, some kind of drink out, uh, out of it, and told him to drink it, possibly uh, um, stating the fact that, okay, you need to remember this, and this is going to be a bitter moment for you so that you won't do it again. Possibility. But after that, he turned to them, and he said, okay, look, y'all messed up. Y'all dropped the ball. But if you're on the Lord, if, if you're on the Lord's side, if you're for the Lord, stand over here with me. Those people came over for everybody else. They stayed over there. Let's make you guys the people who want to be with the Lord, okay? Amen. <laughs> he goes to them. He says, look, I know that they're your brothers. I know that's your family. I know that's your homie. But we got to kill them. Point blank, period. This, is, this was their consequence of rebellion and for choosing not to follow God. This is their consequence for making an idol and not turning from the, from the idol. Let's go on and look at the other consequences. Verse, um, verse 8, we must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day, referencing to the Israelites who were whoring around with the daughters of, Mo, of, of Moab. 23,000 in a single day, just like that, for rebelling against God. It's a consequence. We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble, as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer, by the destroyer for uh, uh, sexual immorality, idolatry, and grumbling. We see it all interconnected here, and we see them closely related, and we see where God enforced his punishment on these people who did this. So once you start complaining and once you start grumbling, hey, keep this in mind. I can't make, I don't know how the Lord is going to, uh, to deal with that, but here in the scriptures we see where he clearly deals with it. And this is a possible consequence of what may happen. We must keep this in mind when we make these pointless idols that we make. Another point here is that Christ was present in the Old Testament. And it's this same Christ who they put to the test that's the same Christ who we put to the test. It's not a different guy. It's the same guy. Same guy. If anything else, Paul is, he, he, he's saying, look, this stuff happened as an example, first off, as an example for you or, or as an example for them, um, so let me back up. He says it's written down so that we, may, we might not desire evil as they did. And secondly, for our instruction. So these things were actual uh, events that happened. They were uh, things that happened, and they, were, and they happened for us, for us to see, okay, this is what they did. These are God's chosen people. These are God's special people who dropped the ball, and the Lord dealt with them. So the same way that he dealt with them, he will deal with us too if we do not turn from our idols. Warning, do not put Christ to the test. Warning, do not put Christ to the test. Warning, <laughs> do not put Christ to the test. 
Thank you, Tony. Reiteration. Thank you. (laughs) Third point is is this. God gives us a back door. Always. Verses 12. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtake you, overtaking you, that it's not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Listen, there is absolutely no one who is above temptation. No one. If anyone thinks that he stands, let him take heed lest he fall. No one is above temptation. No one is above falling into, look at the, think about the, uh, the examples that I gave you beforehand. Peter was, was Jesus' right-hand man. Fell into sin easily. The Israelites saw firsthand and, and experienced the true and living God, and they still fell into this temptation of idolatry and even created for themselves a God that did absolutely nothing for them. There was no one who was above this. As a matter of fact, when this, when this chapter starts, Paul is talking to them, and he is talking about discipline. And then he comes into uh, chapter 10, and he says, you know what? Let me uh, finish at chapter 9, uh, uh, 927. He says, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And then he qualifies that by saying, let me remind you of our fathers. Let, let, let me remind you what they went through. I'm, yeah, I'm Paul, but don't put me up here like I can't fall. I definitely know who I am. I definitely know myself. No one is above being overtaken by sin. If you think that you stand, that's the perfect opportunity for the devil to come in and to tip you into sin and to knock you off of that high horse. And the thing about consequences that we talked about in the last point, you don't choose your consequences. You don't have an options. Uh, you don't have four options. You say, you know what? I, I think I want that one. I don't want. No, that, it doesn't happen like that. You don't choose your consequences. It's the Lord who punishes you however he sees fit to punish you. No one is above it. But with temptation in verse uh, 13. He says that he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Check it. Temptation, escape. Temptation, escape. Temptation, escape. Temptation, escape. They're joined at the hip. They're Siamese twins. There, there is no way that you will have temptation without God providing a way of escape for you. God always gives us a back door to get out of any situation that we're in. And God is not going to put you in a situation that he knows that you can't handle every single thing that you've been through you've been able to overcome it whether you want to admit it or not the truth of the situation is we 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 like our idols we love them if that wasn't the case they wouldn't be idols we love them and with every temptation is not a temptation if the opportunity is not present so we take advantage of the opportunity but right here in the scriptures we see here where plain where paul plainly says that he provides a way of escape every single time. He is not going to put you in a situation that you can't handle. Point blank, period. Why? Paul says it right here. God is faithful. He's faithful to his word. So if you're, if, 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 if you're struggling with a situation, even right now as we speak, there is a way of escape for you. How so? Just simple, simple points. First thing is you need to humble yourself. 
Humble, your, humble yourself. No one is, listen, listen, listen. We know you're not perfect. We see you mess up all the time. We just don't say nothing. <laughs> we see it. We're not going to be surprised and shocked when you say, hey, you know, hey, we're sinful because we deal with the same exact things. I think one of the, the, the biggest lies that we believe in church is that we're the only people who are going through what we're going through. We, we make it as if it's, it's a special case that we can't talk about because nobody else is going to listen. It, either there is nothing new under the sun or it's not. Hey, there is nothing new under the sun. There is nothing that you can say that everyone is going to. Oh, no, that's one of the biggest lies that Satan tells you so that you will stay in isolation and continue to sulk in your sin. The Lord always provides a way of escape, and he does so through other Christians and giving you community so that you may be able to talk. I, yo, I wish that my homie would have came to me and told me what was going on. The one who, the, the, my preacher friend who fell into sin. I wish that he would have came and talked to him. I wish that he wouldn't, feel, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't have felt so embarrassed that he was uh, thinking about sinning like we all do. Humble yourself. Talk to someone. Don't believe the lie that you're alone. Pray for contentment. Listen, contentment is not the same as complacency. You can be content, and you don't have to be complacent. We're always, uh, we're always um, desiring to, to grow in our walk. We're always desiring uh, that the Lord um, moves us through this process of sanctification so that we may not be in the same place that we were uh, a year ago or even six or three or one month ago for that matter. But pray for contentment for what you have. Pray for, the contentment, pray for contentment with the things that you already, listen, the grass, water your own grass. Grass is not always green on the other side. Just, just water it. Take, hey, some, some, some grass greener stuff. I have, I don't know about <laughs> grass greener stuff. <laughs> but take time to tend to what you have. And, it, and that's not just talking about sexual immorality, but a lot of times our own idols are, are things that we deal with internally and struggle with internally. And we're often dealing with the idolatry of trying to please people. We have this idolatry of man rather than this idolatry of God, and we think that people will look at, us, look at us a certain kind of way if we don't make this amount of money, if we don't drive this kind of car, if we don't live in this type of neighborhood. Look, ain't nobody stunning you like that. Listen, be content with what you have and ask God, how can you, how can you glorify him with what you have now? Because once you start thinking that, uh, once you start thinking that you have to be in a position that other people want, to, want you to be in. You start serving other people, and you're not serving God. So be content with what you do have. Doesn't mean that you have to be complacent, but learn how to be content. That's exactly what Paul said. He said, I learned the secret. I learned how to be a base or a bound. Whatever the situ- or whether a base or a bound, I learned the secret to be content in whatever the situation. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Fight for and, and, and pray for contentment in our lives so that we may not be overcome by the idols that are constantly pugging, uh, pulling us and tugging at our hearts to separate us and to draw us from God. This is always true in the life of the believer. This is always true in the life of the unbeliever. They, they won't call it idols because they don't know what it is, but that's exactly what it is. Think uh, 
Greg quoted St. August, St. Augustine early, and he said that man is made for God until man realizes that he will have no peace in his life. Until the Christian realizes that <laughs> he won't have any peace in his life. My prayer for you this morning is that you will turn from your idols because all they do is mimic and mock God and put themselves in the position as if they were God. My prayer for you today is that you will talk to someone about any idols that you have made and created. My prayer for you today is that you will turn from your idols, that you will repent of your idols, and that you will seek God and seek holiness and seek righteousness. All right, I'm done. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for the time that we had to spend together today. I pray, Lord, that um, any weakness that I have, which I'm completely weakness, weak, that you will use that um, for the benefit of your kingdom. I pray that we will all turn from our idols. I pray that we'll all repent of the golden calves that we have built, whether in our hearts or um, whether that be tangible things that we're seeking. Um, I pray that we'll all um, seek holiness and righteousness and seek to live a lifestyle that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.